You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm Tears of Price, and I'm really excited to join the All the Backlist rotation with Liberty and Patricia. This week, I'm going to be diving into the stacks to talk about books that are inspired by Jane Eyre. But first, let's hear from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore. I'm a big fan of Libro FM, and I've been a customer for a couple of years now. I love their app, and I never go without an audiobook. It's super easy to pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including hot releases and New York Times bestsellers. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobook at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. So listeners of all the backlists can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Sign up with the code BR3 at Libro.fm before Saturday, April 25th, and you'll get two extra audiobooks delivered that day in celebration of Independent Bookstore Day, a one-day party taking place at local bookstores all across the country. It's a day to celebrate the unique ways your local bookstore and booksellers contribute to your community. That's Libro.fm, code BR3, to get three months of audiobook books for the price of one. All right, so my two picks are books that are inspired by Jane Eyre, but you don't have to have read the classic in order to enjoy these books, I promise. So I really enjoy Jane Eyre retellings because I actually love the classic. I know, I know. It has its major flaws and its issues, but I also really love seeing what authors can do with their retellings because it's not exactly an easy story to recast, probably because of its flaws. So my first pick is one of those books that's been on my TBR stack since it was a literal new release, and I'm just now getting to it, and that is Jane Steele by Lindsay Fay. So Jane Steele is a Victorian-era historical novel that isn't exactly a retelling of Jane Eyre, but it's definitely inspired by it, and it follows a very similar plot arc. So it's about Jane Steele, who becomes an orphan at a young age and is disliked by her relations, and she's sent away to a horrid school, but the twist is that Jane Steele is also a serial killer. Now, I argue that she's not really evil, although she definitely struggles with these like ideas of good versus evil and where she falls among that. Um, but she really only kills men who really seriously had it coming. She does leave bodies everywhere she goes, from her childhood home to the school where she receives a dubious education and to London, where she makes her way as a teen. And the real turning point for Jane is when she learns that her aunt has died and his heir, Mr. Thornfield, has inherited her ancestral home. Now, Jane always thought that this was her birthright, so she answers Mr. Thornfield's advertisement for a governess for his ward, and she travels home hoping to learn more about him, but her ulterior motive is to dig up some paperwork that may prove that she's the rightful owner. 
Of course, once she gets there, she discovers that things are very different um, from when she left as a child. So first of all, the old household staff has been completely replaced by Mr. Thornfield staff, and they are all Sikhs. And Mr. Thornfield himself is an Englishman, but a part of the Sikh religion. So his ward is a biracial daughter of a friend, and their household is rather unusual for this time and period in England's history. Um, and not to mention, Jane is told repeatedly that she's not allowed in the basements. So naturally, where does she want to poke around first? The basements. Um, she is kind of stimmied at every turn. And as she begins her investigation and sort of gets a little bit deeper into it, she also discovers that she really genuinely likes her ward. And she's actually kind of growing fond of Mr. Thornfield as well. But of course, all of this is problematic because she's there under false pretenses, and this might be the place where Jane's past finally catches up with her. So there's so many things I enjoyed about this book. I love Jane's clever voice. I love the way that the story follows the source material, but it also diverges in interesting and exciting ways. I love that Jane has a dear friend at school and she doesn't die. Um, so I don't know if you all are familiar with Jane Eyre, the scene where Harriet Burns dies. That's really not a spoiler. It happens very early on in the book. It just felt like so cruel and manipulative to me on the author's part that I just breaks my heart every time. So Jane has a friend. She doesn't die. Although, of course, they are separated. And that's one of the most heart-wrenching parts of this novel. Um, but I also think that Faye does a really, really good job at capturing the setting. You know, the grit and the glamour of this time period is such a stark contrast, and it comes across really vividly. I also think that Jane's voice is really, really memorable. So if the quote, reader, I murdered him, gets you more excited than reader, I married him, then you definitely need to pick up Jane Steele by Lindsay Faye. My second pick is Re-Jane by Patricia Park, and I really love this title because it's both the name of our protagonist and a clever little indication that this is a retelling of Jane Eyre, and it's set in the year 2000 in New York City. So Jane is a Korean-American young woman. She's recently graduated from college, but thanks to the economic downturn, the job that she had lined up has disappeared. And she has nowhere else to go but back at her aunt and uncle's home in Flushing, Queens. So she grew up there. Her aunt and uncle raised her. She's an orphan. And she's never really gotten along with her family, mostly because she's always felt a bit out of place. She's half Korean, half American. She knows almost nothing about her parents. Um, but she does feel as though her aunt and uncle and her cousins have sort of held this against her. So she's absolutely miserable working at their grocery store until she gets a job as a nanny in Brooklyn for two white parents who have adopted a Chinese daughter. Jane moves into their brownstone, and it's totally different from anything that she's ever experienced. So Beth, the mother, is kind of your stock righteous white woman character. You know, she believes very strongly in feminism and equal rights, and she kind of thinks she's more woke than she actually is because she's adopted this Chinese daughter. And she spends her days writing in her attic office and wanting to lecture Jane about feminism and um, history and scholars. And honestly, Jane doesn't take her too seriously because everything that she's saying doesn't really apply to Jane's life. 
the father, Ed, is very different from Beth, and he's kind of attractive. He's kind of like the strong, silent, brooding type. And Jane is very attracted to him. And as her time at this household continues, she discovers that the feeling is definitely mutual. But Jane is also in way over her head when it comes to this relationship. And that's partly due to the fact that she's kind of uncertain about who she is and of her own identity. So when she gets word that her grandfather in Korea is dying and has summoned the entire family back, she leaves without telling anyone, essentially running away from this giant mess that she's created. And she goes to Korea for the first time since she was a child, too young to remember it. So she decides to stay there and she gets a job and um, she kind of feels like maybe she can have a place here. She makes friends. She likes her job. She actually courts interest from a guy who thinks that she's pretty much perfect and really wants to be with her. But she's still not content. And she has to really face the fact that, you know, she didn't feel like she belonged in New York City. She doesn't feel like she belongs in Korea. So what's her deal? And so she learns more about her parents and her past and ultimately decides to return to the U.S. And, but when she comes back to face the issues that she ran from, that's where the story begins to diverge just slightly from the original Jane Eyre tale. So ultimately, this is an incredible book about identity and self-discovery and learning about the past and your family's legacies and deciding what you want to take with you going forward. It felt very rooted in its particular time and place. And I always appreciate when you see a particular classic that maybe a lot of people know pretty well, but retold in a different cultural setting. I think that the defamiliarization of these tales kind of opens you up to a lot of new insights and thoughts. And I know I definitely learned a lot about Korean culture when I read this book a couple of years ago. Um, so that is it for me, book nerds. That second pick was Rejane by Patricia Park. I hope that you're all staying safe and healthy during these very turbulent times. And just a quick reminder, Book Riot has a story stream covering all of the effects of COVID-19 on the book world. So if you want to stay up to date, you can just go to bookriot.com. It's a big headline. You'll be able to see it right away. And thanks so much to our sponsor today, Libro FM. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please show us some love by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other book lovers find us. And if you want to connect with me or see pictures of my books in Very Sassy Cat, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Tears of Price. That is T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C-E. I will be back next month on a regular episode of All the Books with Liberty. But in the meantime, thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. Bye.